So let's, uh, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6. This is where we're going to be most of, the, most of the morning. We're going to look at some other scripture too together. Um, <clears throat> as you're turning there, I'm going to pray one more time for us. Lord, help us as we study your scripture this morning to, uh, to not think about ourselves uh, and our preferences and what we believe to be the correct way of life. But instead, help us to see through your word the truth from, from your letter to the church in Ephesus that has been passed down to us and breathed out from you, God, as we study about slaves obeying our earthly masters with fear and trembling, God, would you help us to see the importance of this, the priority of putting Christ as Lord over us and positioning our life in a, a place of fear and trembling because of respect that we have for the Lord that is over us. God, we thank you for your unconditional love. We thank you for the fact that the instructions that you give us uh, are not only for, for your kingdom purpose and for your glory, but also for our good. And so God, help us this morning to study your word well and then respond to it in a way that brings you that brings you honor and worships you and only you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You ever been in a moment where you've had to quickly identify yourself? Like you've had to quickly say, maybe it was a, a moment of fear or safety uh, for, for reasons of safety. You've had to quickly identify yourself as a person of peace, maybe, or a person of, hey, I'm not, I'm not here to bring trouble. I'm here to, to be somebody that's helpful, not hurtful. I was up in northern New Mexico one time on a great elk hunt, and, uh, and I was with a friend that was raised in that part of the, part of the world, and he said, just so you know, uh, we may get into a situation where we're pressured to tell people who we are and that we are people of peace and that we come bringing no, no harm. I'm just letting you know there may be a moment because of the locals around here that we may need to quickly say, hey, I'm a part of this family or I'm connected to this gentleman or I know this person. And I thought, well, okay, we'll see if that actually happens. We walk into a little uh, convenience store, an uh, off-brand, no-name convenience store owned by a family. We walk in there and the, uh, the gentleman behind the counter, maybe you've been to a place like this, Crosses his arms because he uh, he's telling us with his body language, I don't want you here, boy. And uh, and so uh, so it was immediately you could tell we need to quickly identify ourselves as people of peace. And so because my friend was raised in that area and his dad uh, has a great inheritance in that area, he quickly said, "Hey, I'm so and so's son." And as soon as he said that, the guy said, "Well, then you're welcome here." And I thought, praise the Lord that I'm with this guy who's, who's the son of this person that we could be identified with and not be whatever's coming after this, you know? I mean, I, I can only imagine what comes out from underneath the counter. I don't know. But uh, thankfully, my friend quickly identified uh, with his dad and said, hey, this is, who, this is who, I, who I belong to. That's the message this morning. Understanding who you are to quickly identify who you belong to. All right? That's what I want you to get. Um, if you have given your life to Christ and He is your Lord, means He is your boss, you identify with Him. No longer is your identity in other things or someone else, but your identity now as Christ as your Lord, that is where your identity lies. And so because of that, we should quickly identify ourselves with Christ. In every moment of life, we identify, hey, we are here representing Jesus Christ. We are here representing our Lord. We are slaves to this Lord Jesus. Though he is a, a great, loving, unconditional, loving master, we still submit our lives to his, to his authority. 
Let's start from the beginning here. Let's start on Genesis chapter, uh, let's say chapter 29, 30, uh, 39, that area. We get a story about a guy named Joseph. You familiar with him? Joseph um, was a guy who was raised in a, in a, a big family, had lots of brothers, and uh, his dad kind of singled him out as the chosen one. My sister relates to this well as being the chosen child in my family. Uh, she knows all well about this, uh, about how, uh, how it is to be a sibling to someone that's, that's chosen. And obviously I'm making a joke here, but Joseph being raised in this family, he's kind of the chosen one. His dad kind of shows favor to him. Uh, and Joseph has crazy cool dreams. And in his dreams, he talks about his brothers bowing down to him. I mean, what sibling doesn't want to hear their, their other sibling tell him, hey, one day you're going to bow down to me. And I think, yeah, yeah, you'll be bowing down to me because I knock you out or whatever. You know, it's like, uh, but Joseph, uh, this chosen one whose dad favors highly, uh, his dad even makes him a, a cool little jacket that he gets to wear. And, and uh, anyways, um, Joseph and his brothers, their relationship gets pretty, pretty fired up. Anger comes in. Bitterness, jealousy rises up. And his brothers just get tired of being Joseph's brother. Oh, you're the chosen one? Well, we choose you for slavery. And so they sell their brother into slavery. Turn to Genesis. I know you stick, stick a, a bulletin there in Ephesians. We're going to come back to it. But turn to Genesis chapter, oh, let's, let's go to chapter 39. We'll catch up with Joseph. He's been sold into slavery by his, by his brothers. And he's living this life now as a slave. Once freed, once a free man, living the, the, the dream have dreams, and now he's sold into slavery. In verse 39, there's a crazy story here where Joseph is working for a guy named Potiphar. And uh, Joseph, verse, uh, verse 1, uh, we'll start there. says, Now Joseph had been brought down to Egypt, and Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian, had bought him from the Ishmaelites, who had brought him down from there. And verse 2 says this, the Lord was with Joseph, and he became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. So here we have a story of someone who was not a slave, but now is a slave. He's been bought, he's been purchased, and he is a slave to Potiphar. He's working for Potiphar. But notice what verse 2 said. It said, the Lord was with Joseph. The Lord was with Joseph. There's importance to that part of Scripture. Uh, the author is trying to get us to point it to, to see here, to visualize that Joseph is not alone. Though he's in slavery, he's not by himself. God has not abandoned him. Just because he's a slave and he's been purchased by a human doesn't mean that God has abandoned him. Instead, the Lord was with Joseph in this moment. And then some crazy things happen, and Potiphar's wife tries to, tries to convince Joseph to do some wicked things. And then he gets accused of doing Wickedness, though he did not take part in being wicked. In fact, he ran away from it. But he got convicted of it instead, and he was thrown into prison. And verse 21 says this, But the Lord was with Joseph, and showed him steadfast love, and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And verse 23, And the keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge, because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. So what we're seeing here is Joseph as a slave, is still representing God extremely well. So well that the, the prison guard paid no attention to him because he saw that Joseph as a slave, highly favored by God, represented the best prisoner or slave ever. 
He was going to do the work that he was required to do as a prisoner. He was going to obey the prison rules. He wasn't going to start prison riots. He was going to do his best work in the conditions that he was placed in. I mean, think about Christianity today. Shouldn't Christians, the followers of Jesus, the ones who are enslaved to the creator of the world, the ones who represent unconditional love and hope and peace and all these things that come with Christ, shouldn't Christians be the best employees ever? Shouldn't every organization in the world desire to hire those who follow Jesus because of what they represent? Shouldn't your neighbor want a Christian neighbor because of what you represent? Shouldn't your town want more Christians in their society because of who they represent? Shouldn't your country and your world want more representatives of Christ because of what they represent? Hope, love, and eternal life, and peace. I mean, shouldn't the world desire to have more people like Joseph who represents someone who hears God's truth, responds to it, and though his circumstances are nasty, and unbearable, still faithfully serves God in a way that people recognize God is with him. When we, when we catch up in Ephesians in the Bible, and we hear Paul writing to slaves saying, obey your earthly masters, or workers, follow well those that you're working for, should we not say, man, let's represent Christ well, let's be these people who others notice that God is with us. Turn it back to Ephesians chapter six. We've been talking about we've been talking about relationships and how these relationships that Paul is mentioning here at the end of chapter five and first of chapter six. These relationships work as laboratories to to produce some things. They work. These relationships work to make us more like Christ. And these relationships work to put us on on our put our on display what the watching world is watching, what they're looking at. We're going to put on display Christ for the world for the world to see. Uh, that's what these relationships are for. So we talked about the husband wife or the marriage relationship last week. We talked about the the child parent relationship, and that those two things are going to uh, show us what it looks like to to position ourselves under someone. And submission, understanding that we're positioning ourselves under someone who's showing unconditional love. And that the world would see that as we represent Christ and positioning ourselves under his unconditional love and submitting ourselves to him because he's worthy of that. Last week we talked about that we would position ourselves under someone's instruction, that we would listen and obey what someone is telling us to do. In our case, it would be that we would be listening and obeying the words and instructions of Christ. Christ, we're putting ourselves under your authority and we're putting ourselves under your instruction because we desire to give you glory and honor because we see that only you are worthy of receiving glory and honor. So we let these relationships, the husband-wife relationship, and we let the parent-child relationship really put that on display for the world to see and reflect Christ. See, this is what submission looks like. This is what obedience looks like. And then when we get to this relationship with slaves and masters, we really should see what lordship looks like. I mean, in the Christian world, we talk about that a lot. Is Christ Lord of your life? 
confess Him as Lord, that's how salvation comes. We, we talk about Christ being Lord of our life. It's key to following Christ. We have to understand making Christ Lord of our life. But how do we relate to that in a society that we don't have a Lord? We don't bow down to a Lord daily. We don't verbally say, this is who my Lord is. So how do we really understand that? That's why we have this relationship. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. So Paul, being inspired by the Holy Spirit, is led to write these words about this type of relationship, the working relationship. Uh, maybe in our context we don't have slaves and masters, but we do have employers and employees. We do have people who daily tell us what to do or what not to do. People that we are obeying. And so slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling with a sincere heart as you would Christ. So if you're an employee, you look to your employer as someone would look to Christ with fear, trembling, and a sincere heart, like you're representing Christ, like you're trying to obey Christ. Work as worship. We're recognizing that it's not just a job, but instead it's, a, it's an opportunity for me to represent Christ. It's an opportunity for me to reflect what, what I see as important, lordship of Christ. I get to represent that in my work relationship. It, it doesn't happen often. More often than not, we look for other ways to show Christ's lordship. We look for other opportunities. Uh, it's too difficult at work uh, because if you knew my boss, then you would understand. It's just like loving our neighbor. More often than not, we look for other ways to share the gospel. We look for other ways to love people instead of loving our neighbor, though Christ would say second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. We say that's too simple. It's too simply stated. It's too simple for us to Obey our masters as if we were obeying Christ. That's too simple. There's got to be something that we can add to this. But this relationship is really, really important. This work relationship is really important. Let's move on. Verse 6 says this, Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as servants of Christ. If we think back to the Joseph story a little bit more here, he remains in prison for two years, faithful to God, and faithful to the instructions that his prison guard gives him. He's given an opportunity in prison to interpret some dreams because uh, people find out that's what he's good at. And so in the two years of being enslaved and thrown in prison for uh, doing something wicked that he did not even do, he was falsely accused of, instead of growing bitter towards his boss, instead of growing jealous towards his brothers, instead of growing angry to the God who he feels like is in control of his life, instead of doing that, he decides to worship God, to remain faithful to God and God alone. I mean, make it real for a second. Some of you have been stuck in a job for a long time. Are you like Joseph? Are you bitter? Are you angry? Are you jealous of your coworkers who've got a better position? Can we be like God, like God has given us the example in Joseph here, and be faithful to God and faithful to represent Him and use the moments that we are given, though it may be in prison, falsely accused, use those moments 
to worship God so that God can be put on display. So for two years, Joseph hangs out in prison, uh, does faithful things for God, is faithful to him, and then he's given the opportunity to be removed from prison and lifted to a high position. And what does he do in that position? He continues to be faithful to God. Though he has people under him now, he still represents God well. And though even some of those people who are under him now are his brothers, at the end of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 50, his brothers become fearful of him. Oh, now you're our master. Now you can lord things over us. Now you can take care of us however you desire to take care of us. But instead, he, he, he makes this great statement. You've probably heard it before, Genesis chapter 50. Ah, what you intended for harm, God intended for good. And so God's going to get the praise and the glory for this moment. He continued, though he was a slave once and now he's a master, he continued to be faithful to God so that God would get the glory. Not himself, not his brothers, not the ones that he's working for, but so that God would get the glory. John just read moments ago for us out of Colossians. Uh, Paul's saying the same thing here. In Ephesians and Colossians, he kind of says the same thing. He says, work as if you're working for the Lord. You're serving something greater than just yourself or your boss, but work as if you're serving the Lord. Masters, do the same. Work as if you're serving the Lord. Treat those under you like you're serving the Lord. Making work in everyday moments of our life worship for the Lord. Start in verse 5 again. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling with a sincere heart as you would Christ. Not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as servants of Christ. So, so Joseph, just don't just do these great things and be faithful to God when you can be seen, but also when you're in the pit, when you're in jail, when you're in prison, continue to be faithful to God as if you're working for God. Not just when people can see you, but also when you're not seen. Not as people pleasers, but as servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, re- rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. I love in Mark chapter 10 when Christ gives us this great illustration of what he's, what he's came to earth to do. And he says, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. We see that Christ said from the beginning, like I, I'm completely aware that my task on earth is not for you to serve me necessarily, but for me to serve you and to give my life as a ransom for your life, to, to buy you back from death, to purchase you with my blood so that you can no longer be slaves of sin and wickedness, but instead you can be slaves of righteousness and I can be a Lord that lords over you unconditional love and eternal peace eternal comfort eternal joy I can lord those things over you instead of the things that sin tries to lord over you I really feel like we we, we have to grasp this better we have to understand when we walk into a store in northern New Mexico and we're placed in a moment of pressure, and we quickly want to identify who we're, who we belong to, like, what is it, or who is it that we quickly identify with? Who do we say, this is who I belong to? When we're 
placed in a moment of pressure. If we relate to the story of Joseph, I mean, he could have said a lot of words. Well, wait a minute now. You can't throw me into slavery. This is who I am. This is who I relate to. This is who I identify with. Wait a minute. You can't throw me in prison because I didn't do these things that I'm being accused of. Instead, this is who I am. This is who I identify with. But instead, Joseph was faithful. And he said, God is who I identify with. And so because he's still with me and he has not abandoned me, I will not abandon him. I'll be faithful to God and to God alone. Verse verse 8 says, Knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. And then he goes on to say in verse 9, Masters do the same to them. And stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him. Really trying to focus our attention here on this important relationship, this work relationship that we are part of today. These moments that we get to represent Christ well. I had a lady come into my office several years ago. I'm asking about showing simple ways to teach their teach her children about Jesus. You know, what are some things that I can do to teach my kids about Jesus? How can I simply teach them? I'm having difficulty. These are the things I want to say, but it, it seems too difficult for them to understand. Uh, what are some simple simple ways that I can teach them? And I said, well, when their hands are dirty and you ask them to go wash their hands, just talk about Christ washing their sin away. When their clothes are dirty from outside and you have to wash their clothes, just simply say, hey, well, like the dirt on this pair of clothes here, the mud or the stains or peanut butter and jelly or whatever it is that's on your clothes here that need to be washed away so they can be clean, you know there's some things in your life also that need to be washed away. And only Christ can wash those things away. And it was almost like she'd never heard that before because it was so simply stated. Let's make it difficult. Let's make it more difficult than it actually is. I mean, you know, John chapter 8, I think we've mentioned it a couple of weeks in a row now. When Christ says the Son has come to set you free and you'll be free indeed, doesn't that seem too simple? Isn't there more to it? I mean, I understand, Jesus, you want to set me free, but are you actually capable of doing that? Can you actually set me free from the sin that I'm tangled up in? Can you actually, Christ, set me free from the burdens that burden me every day? Can you actually set me free from the weight that I feel upon my life? I mean, Christ, you're saying you can set me free, but can you actually do that? I think we think that a lot. Because of that, we allow other things to become Lord of our life and slaves of other things. And like this work relationship, we feel like we're slaves to our our business owner. We feel like we're slaves to the one that's above us. And so we get bitter and angry and jealous, and those sinful things rise up. And Paul's saying, don't look to those earthly masters for the things you can only get from Jesus. You'll never receive eternal hope from your earthly master, so don't serve your earthly master. Think you're going to get eternal hope and happiness and joy and comfort and peace and love from your earthly master. Instead, look to the one who can actually give those things to you for eternity and serve him in everything that you do. So you tell your boss, I hear what you're saying, 
And I would, if I was not a believer, respond this way. But because I'm serving you like I want to serve my Lord, the one that has freed me from all these things of this world, I'm going to serve you differently. And that's why the story of Joseph is so important for us to see. Someone who remained faithful to God because he saw God as being worthy of being faithful to instead of things of this of this world. You know, um, reality is this. You cannot stop being a slave unless someone purchases, purchases you and frees you. You will always be a slave. You can be purchased and purchased, well, I was a slave to this person and now I'm a slave to this person because they bought me. But you'll, you will always be a slave until someone purchases you and then frees you, releases you, and lets you go. And that's what Christ has done for us. We just sang, no longer death has anything over me because Christ has trampled it. He has set me free with his conquering of death. And he didn't just set me free so I could roam around and be free, but he set me free so I could see what unconditional love looks like and serve him and be a slave, a free slave to him, freely choosing to serve him. So don't for a moment think that you're going to find in your work relationships eternal joy or peace or love, unconditional love, from any of your earthly masters. Don't think for a moment you're going to receive that. Because if you do, you're just enslaving yourself back to, to sin, thinking you're going to receive something from this world that you cannot receive from this world. Instead, understand what lordship of Jesus Christ looks like. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 8. Let me read some verses for you. Romans chapter 8 says this, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. You hear that? So in Christ there is no condemnation. In fact, there is freedom because he has set you free from sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. So God came in and did something that things of this world could not do. He did something greater. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So what could not be done in the law was completely done in Jesus Christ. We begin seeing that Christ purchases us not just to be a slave for him, but he purchases us to be freed. Verse 12 says this, So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, and you will live. Verse 14, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. 
But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Why would Christ purchase us with his blood? To free us from sin, just to be freed from sin? No, so that we can be adopted and cry out, Abba, Father. No longer slaves to things of this world, but now slaves to righteousness. Slaves indebted to Christ because of what he's done for us, because of what he's doing for us, and because of what he's going to do for us. We become slaves to him, slaves to righteousness, so that we can say, Abba, Father. So we look at these word relationships, and we say, I want to put that on display. Paul's saying, you want to reflect something in your work relationship as an employee or employer, as a slave or a master, this is what you should put on display. Let the watching world see the hope that you have in Christ. Let the watching world see the lordship of Jesus Christ in your life and not the lordship of sin. These things no longer rule over me, but instead Christ rules over me. You should want me as your neighbor. You should want me as your employee. You should want me as a boss because these are the things that I live by. Romans chapter 12 gives us what it looks like to be a, or live a transformed life. There's 25 behaviors there. Things like uh, making peace and things like uh, putting on display that vengeance is the Lord. And I'm not going to go and seek vengeance, but instead I'm going to allow the Lord to do those things. And these 25 behaviors of, of modeling and reflecting who Christ is and what he's done in our life, what he's doing in our life, and who we actually are slave to, who actually lords over us. I think it's important for us to see those things. And I would challenge you this morning, as you're thinking about what's lord over your life, if Christ has never been lord of your life, you're still enslaved to sin. If Christ is Lord of your life and you've confessed him as Lord, you're no longer slaves to sin. So don't fall back into that trap and serve things of this world, but instead use your entire life to serve to serve Christ. I'm going to end with this. Matthew chapter 5. This comes from Christ preaching. He says this, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste... How shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. Or all in the prison. Maybe you're the only one in the prison for two years that even has light at all. Maybe you're the only one in your workplace that has the light at all. Instead of growing bitter and angry and jealous towards those things that are around you, instead you say, maybe God has placed me here on purpose. And maybe my working here is not about just the pay paycheck at the end of the week or month or whatever, however large or small it is. Maybe it's not just about that or the good insurance plan or the great benefits or the retirement plan, but maybe it's more about you and I representing Christ. Being a light of the world, a city set on a hill. Verse 16, In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works 
and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. I mean, if the Son has set us free, then we are free indeed, right? And so because of that, He's purchased us and made us free so that we can freely represent Him. So this relationship, I want to just say it one more time, this relationship, employee, employer, slave, master, master, slave, this relationship as a follower of Christ should put on display Christ and Christ alone. That's what lordship means. I quickly identify as one who belongs to Jesus. That's what that relationship's about. This morning, think for you, reflect. Do I represent Christ well? Am I putting on display Christ as Lord of my life, or is it obvious to myself and to others who is Lord of my life? Let your light shine. Be salt and light so that your good works on display, are on display for a watching world so that God can receive the glory. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. Thank you for your